Hello, everyone. It's your man, Uncle Dub, here with a midweek episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. So on this episode, we're going to talk midseason review of NASCAR. We're going to talk about Bubba Wallace, how he's doing. We're going to look at the drivers who have the potential to win the championship, um, who's going to be the best driver of the year, and some other things. And of course, to have this conversation, who else are we going to have it with? We're going to have it with your man, hashtag beer god, Drew from Diapers and Haircuts podcast. So I don't know if it's fair to call him a NASCAR fan. I think he's an enthusiast. I mean, he's very enthusiastic about the sport and he's happy to share all of his thoughts. And I'm here for it and I hope you're here for it. So let's start this thing. Enjoy the episode after the music. To the Sports Wagon Podcast. Uh, so today uh, we want to talk a little NASCAR again, and we're going into the midseason review. We have 16 races complete in this season, roughly about another 15 or 16 to go. And who else is going to give us his thoughts and, and what's happening with NASCAR than the one and only Drew, aka hashtag beer god. And the Sports Wagon Podcast, now senior NASCAR correspondent. <laughs> so thank you for joining us, Drew. Welcome back, man. How you been? Oh, I've been great. You know, it's always an honor to be a part of the Sports Wagon Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for, you know, giving me such great responsibility to tell the good people of, of your podcast everything that's going on in the world of NASCAR. All right. Well, well, I know you're going to give them some great information because like, I listened uh, again to episode 59 today and uh, I'm still blown away at how you know good that episode was. I mean, even still listening to it, I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, there's so much that I didn't know. There's so much that I'm learning because I'm, I'm catching a few races here and there. I'm catching a few pieces here and now. I haven't sat down and watched the whole race, but it you know the, the the sport makes a little bit more sense to me now, and 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 it's all due to your uh, education. So I I owe you a debt of gratitude in that regard. So thank you so much for uh for for, for all of that. I appreciate you're, it. You're quite welcome. You know, I'm just trying to make my grandmother proud. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we start, so uh, again, you're as we talked about before, one third of the diapers and haircuts crew. How's everything with podcast? Uh, I know you guys are really tackling some really uh, good, some some interesting topics this season. So, you know, if you want to you know, take a moment, kind of talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, the podcast is still rolling on strong. We pretty much record Friday nights. Uh, shows come out Monday mornings around 4 a.m. 
uh, weekly. You know, we always have our reoccurring weekly craft beer and cigar of the week. Um, this year, we wanted to tackle it a little bit different. We wanted to give definitions to those who may be novices to both. Um, just to better explain terminology and things that you hear when you're in the craft beer environment or in the uh, cigar world, if you will. Um, as far as the topics, you know, our biggest thing is just always trying to make sure that something that's, you know, riveting, semi-current, and also just all around things that everybody think about is the best way to say it. Um, the one thing that we are very proud of is that um, our my other co-host of the uh, show, Big Carlos, um, he does his Black History Fact of the Week. Um, uh, one thing for us being a all black podcast, um, you know, we do have our month in February, but why does it only have to be in February? So he likes to tackle anything and anything, everyone, anybody, man, woman, female, um, you know, whether they're living or, or unfortunately passed, um, just to pay homage to those whom you may know, or you may not know. That's important because, you know, and I think you guys may have said this uh, on one of your previous episodes, you know, everyone knows about, you know, MLK, Malcolm X, which happy birthday, Malcolm X, uh, you know, some of the larger figures in black history, but, you know, there are so many people and you guys have brought up a couple folks. I'm going, Oh, okay. So I've yeah. learned something today. So again, and that's good because uh, you know, it's, it's good when we say, you know, black history should not be 28 days. It should be 366, 365, depending on what year it is. So for sure. again, for sure. we salute you. We thank you for that because again, you guys are doing some, you guys are doing yeoman's work over there at the Diapers Haircuts podcast. And I really appreciate that. And I know our listeners do too, if they've uh, caught your podcast. So thank you so much again for what you do. And once you again, and- Yeah, once again, for, on the behalf of uh, Marcel and Big Los, you know, we, we can't say thank you enough for all, all the support that, that, that we get. We just try to, you know, carve our own lane and just try to make sure that it's something that, you know, everybody can be proud of. Okay. All right. Good to go. All right. So let's jump, jump into this. So we've got 16 races down. I, I said, I managed to look up, watch a little bit of the Dover race this past Sunday. And with 16 races in, let's, let's get into it. So far, what has surprised you? Has anything surprised you thus far this season? Um, Kyle Larson coming back and getting a win at Las Vegas. So, Kyle Larson last year during, you know, COVID and everything, um, the NASCAR season kind of got broken up and they were going doing virtual. Um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, was a very big proponent on iRacing, which is its own league, own paid subscription. You actually have to buy a, you know, legit race car digital rig, um, come to the stern wheel, three screens, your seat can vibrate, all that jazz. Um, NASCAR wanted to really go in that direction to do virtual racing since COVID was a very big thing last year. And Kyle Larson got in some big doo-doo. He, uh, pretty much dropped the N-bomb on a live NASCAR sanctioned race and got suspended for a year. Um, and you know, for how we talked about in the last episode, you know, NASCAR it is known to be that good old boy sport. So he got a lot of support from those who, don't see what he said was wrong. It's the best way to say it. And, um, you know, he finally was able to go through all of his uh, protocols and sensitivity training and things like that, paid his dues, got back in racing, but he actually got back with, you know, the New England Patriots of, um, of NASCAR, Hendrick Motorsports. 
Um, actually, one of their uh, Mr. Hendricks, Mr. Rick Hendricks, uh, most storied numbers, number five. That's like one of his first card numbers that he that he's ever owned. It's very sentimental to his heart. And for him to get that ride to come back and be in the best equipment ever, um, there is some favoritism there. A lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people did like it. And I am shocked to see him get a win this year is the best way to say it. Um, everything that he's came back from and all that stuff. Like, once again, I understand people make mistakes. Um, we all should learn fr from our mistakes. And I hope he definitely did. But I was still shocked to see him get a win. That's the best way to say it. Mm, yeah. And, 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 and like I said, having you describe this, this scenario in my head, I'm thinking to myself, well, of course, you know, here. And, and real quick, as I'm saying my sentence, I remember, isn't he he's he's uh, is he part Asian, if I recall correctly? He, he is part Asian. He is part Asian. He's also um, if you go back to some of his old interviews back in the uh, back in the day from his previous team. Uh, before he got suspended he used to say a lot of risque things as well too um but also this is at a point where pc and nascar wasn't so progressed as it is now um but you know it's just one of those things where it's like you know who if you're on his excuse during the middle of that iRacing match was that he didn't realize his microphone was hot so it's like okay so if your microphone is never hot these are the things that you say behind closed doors, you know, it, and, and it, it makes that conversation and it makes you think otherwise, especially someone like me, um, who is a very big fan of the sport. Secondly, at that time, I was a legit fan of his as well, too, because, you know, he is um, of a diverse or minority racer in the sport. Want to see him do well. He's a very competitive racer as well. But then, you know, I get affected by the words that that he say. Then it's like, okay, well, you know, what happens, you know, and he definitely got his slap on the wrist, but there's been times where other racers have said less and they had, whenever they came back to the sport, they had to climb their way up the ranks. They had, if they came back to the NASCAR cup series, they had to go through a very lower tier race team and work their way back up to a new England Patriot type of race team. For him to just come straight back to a New England Patriot race team um, is definitely a slap in someone's face like me. Um, it also makes me wonder and question that organization of do you just care about talent or do you care about what will market to your sponsors as well, too? It's and, and I get it as a race race car owner. It's a slippery slope. So I'll, I'll just tone it back a little bit right now, but I would definitely say Kyle Larson winning his race back on March 7th. Um, that was, that was a big shock for me. Hmm. And kind of more to more so to kind of your, your description of the situation, you would think that when someone has such a transgression or if somebody has to leave the sport, you would think that there's a procedure for how you get back into get back to the big leagues, you know, in baseball, mm -hmm. you know, you got a double A, triple A, and then the big leagues. Okay, mm -hmm. somebody gets hurt in the major leagues. They gotta okay, maybe they're they're in the major leagues, but hey, you know, let's drop you down to double A, let you work yourself back up. I mean, different system, but you know, it's still a protocol. It's still a way to ensure that you're getting back up to speed and not having such a, a leg up or such an advantage. I mean, that yeah. that is almost unfair. It, it, it is. And it was one of those things like just to give his background, he's a very famous dirt track racer. So once when he got a slap on the wrist, 
he went back to dirt track racing and he was winning every single race because he's a legit legend on dirt is the best way to say it. Like if there's a dirt race, expect him to win, you know? Um, and there's a few other cup drivers that are in that same, same limelight, but then it's like, okay, if you come back to the cup cup series, the top tier series of NASCAR, you shouldn't be with the top tier team of NASCAR straight out the gate. Right. You should be with some something that's like less equipment, prove, prove that you are a driver, that you can drive anything, not get, you know, that uh, that uh, Andy Reid offense of a car <laughs> and, you know, just go out and just and just just win it all, you know. So um, it's 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 weird. It's crazy. But, you know, once again, I do congratulate him for his win. I don't want to take anything away from him. Um, I do believe in second chances. But once again, it's a big shot. And rightfully so. Uh, so let's turn let's flip to the other direction. So that's been the big surprise. What was the big disappointment thus far? It's obvious. Bubba Wallace hasn't won a race yet. <laughs> mm. um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like how I said on the last episode, for Bubba Wallace, the sport is behind him. The sport does support him. I do like that. I do appreciate that. But sometimes they will get behind someone and they will shove them down your throat to the point where, like, you get sick and tired of it. I'm not sick and tired of Bubba. I'm not saying that. But it's like, you know, the fact that Jordan owns half of his team, Denny Hamlin, who is actually leading the series right now in points, owns half of the team. Um, and he the equipment that he has is top tier underneath Toyota, which is owned by, you know, Coach Joe Gibbs, um, that, you know, he hasn't won a race or he hasn't competed in like a top five or anything like that. Um, that's very eyebrow raising because it makes me wonder come if he hasn't won a race if i get it it's his rookie season with with this team if he doesn't win a race cool but the way that nascar is pushing him they're making it seem like he should win a race if he doesn't win a race year two year three we got to really look back and see like okay is what's going on here so kind of more to that point about bubba wallace is his performance is that par for the course for a first year team or is that par is it par for the course for somebody who's first year with the team is that is that typical um i would say yes it's just one of those things where it's um it's it's crazy because he has like such a spotlight on his back right um let's go back to when danica patrick was racing in nascar she came from okay. indycar she was you know um the big push she was also a female driver which is going to be a, a very big big transcending thing for nascar and she flopped out you know and this is kind of history repeat itself with the black nascar driver um now is he great on dirt yes he is is he great at at certain tracks yes he is but i will say that a part of me do have i have to give him a pass if I'm thinking of thinking of it in my NASCAR analyst mind, but as a fan, I don't want to give him a pass. But as an analyst, I do have to give him a pass because a lot of the tracks this year is, are completely different. It's not the normal circuit races. Um, a lot of things has changed due to COVID because a lot of states where they normally race at aren't open. Um, usually, 
first quarter of the NASCAR season, they're out west in California, and California's been shut down uh, due to COVID. So they had to do more races on the East Coast. They've implemented more road courses as well, too. So do I see him somewhere in the schedule actually winning the race going forward? Maybe. It's definitely not the next race, because that's definitely a road course. Um, I, If they go back to a super speedway, um, I'm kind of speeding through. So, like, Michigan will probably be a good place for them. They do go back to Daytona August 28th. Um, I can see that happening. I believe in the – yep in October, which is in the, in the playoffs, um, he could actually win at Talladega because he's very good at Talladega. Um, but both of those races are crapshoots. So like super speedways are such crapshoots. Anybody can win them because he can easily wreck out due to a very big car crash. Um, so I, I sent you the, the, the tweet about, I believe they're doing Netflix. It might be now they're following him and they're going to do something mm-hmm. about this season. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's just NASCAR just pushing money for diversity and trying to show that the sport is transcendent and that everybody is welcome to the races. And it's just one of those things where it's like, for me, I get that. I like it because NASCAR has definitely came a very long way. But you're following a driver who hasn't won a race yet, you know, and and it's not even on not even the fact that he's winning. It's not like he's got a top five, like top. These are all points in the system that make you catapult up in the standings. Like they are following someone who is 21st in the standings, you know, um, top 15, I'd be okay with, um, top 10 is amazing. You know what I mean? And then top five is like, okay, this team is legit, but you know, give it time. We'll see how it goes. I just know the will of NASCAR and the machine that it is. This probably won't happen again next year if this if this trend continues, you know. And, and it's very sad to hear and very sad to see because I'm rooting for him. I, I root for the 23 car week in and week out. I am floored with a beer in my hand, screaming at the TV, saying, <laughs> don't do that, don't do this. So... You know, it's it's just one of those things. But um, for right now, for them to do it for Bubba, it's great, um, especially for the uh, social justice year that we just recently had, especially during COVID. Um, the things that he went through as well, it definitely makes me feel good that NASCAR supports him. But in the same aspect, I still look at you as an individual. If you're getting all this grand support around you, you do have to show something, you know. That's like being a first round draft pick or the number one pick in the NFL. And then you don't turn out to be anything. You know, the, the, the society, your sport will only give you but so much. And then from there, you will you will fall. And it's just it's one of those right. things. Yeah, because I noticed that he finished. He was running 10th towards the end of the race on Sunday and he finished 11th. Mm-hmm. Um. So based upon his, you know, his his performance thus far, is he even in the championship race right now? No, he will need to win a race to at least get to, um, I believe it's the top 12 or the top 16 um, for the playoffs. Uh, because there's people ahead of him who are 
more destined to get a to get a win. Like Cal Bush, um, I think he just recently got a win, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, you got Alex Bowman. Forgive me, I was looking at Kurt Bush. Yes, Cal Bush has got a win. Kurt Bush is destined, his brother, he's destined for, for a win. Um, Kevin Harvick is destined for a win. Chase Elliott hasn't won yet. He's destined for a win as well, too. And then um, the person who's leading, Denny Hamlin, he hasn't gotten a win, but he's destined for a win as well. So, excuse me, that top 12 getting down to the top 15, 16, it's going to get real thick. And if he doesn't have a win, he's not going to get in. Mm, terrible, terrible. Yeah, the aforementioned uh, Alex Bowman. So outside of winning this past Sunday at Dover, he's got two wins mm-hmm. already. So, he, I mean, he's definitely he's in. He's, he's mm-hmm. definitely in. He's in there. Uh, and actually... That's one of the per. I think you mentioned him in the last episode as a sleeper, somebody who's could possibly like sneak in there and win this thing. So I mean, it's kind of you know the, the path is kind of laid out right now for many of these drivers, especially you know winning those two, having those two wins again, having one win is key, but right. having two and more, and and then of course the laps led. I mean that definitely sets you up for success and chasing that championship. Um, did, did anything happen currently within the first 16 races that you expected to happen? That you, did you, did something happen and you expected it? Um, I think in, I believe it was the Talladega race. Um, everybody wrecked out early, like these super speedways, the big, it's called the big one. It's usually where there's a very giant accident that takes out half the field. It's destined to happen, and it's going to happen to the majority of the people that you root for. It's a crapshoot. Like, if you're racing in the middle of the pack and people are bumping and rubbing and pushing and all that stuff, and somebody gets what we like to call squirrely, meaning that somebody bumps you so hard from the back to where your your rear end lifts off the ground, and by the time your tires get contact back to the concrete or to the pavement, you get squirrely and you start to fishtail, you can't save that at 192 miles an hour. Like it's destined for a wipeout. And you want to take out half the field. It's going to be an epic crash. And, you know, hopefully nobody gets severely hurt or anything like that. But though, those are, those are expected. Um, Joey Logano. I personally do not like Joey Logano as a fan, but I don't know why, but in the back of my mind, I knew he was going to win the uh, the dirt race because it just seems like a Joe Logano thing to do. It's the first inaugural <laughs> race, you know. He is boy one to bread and all that stuff, and he gets handed some things sometimes. And it's like, yeah, I can see him winning the dirt race, and I've never seen him. I've never known him to be a a dirt track racer or anything like that. But he won, and 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 kudos to him. Oh man. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you about that because that, that was a first that, because I've never, what little bit I used to follow, you know, at, previously, I was like dirt. I mean, I know that, they, you know, as we've talked about, there are dirt tracks, but mm-hmm. NASCAR having a dirt race and I, that, that was, that was wild to me. I just, it was phenomenal. no I, idea. I DVR'd it just for the sake of history. Um, it, <laughs> it's, it's a great race, you know, like, I think that's something that Bristol should look at doing because Bristol normally gets two races a year 
And I don't see why not one of the races being dirt anyway. Also, going back in history when, you know, they were only racing at Daytona and stuff like that, they were racing on dirt anyway. Now, right. these cars, like in, through progression and technology and all that stuff, they are not set up to race on dirt, but they were pushing them tanks around around that 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 bull ring of dirt track. And um kudos to the sport. It was definitely a spectacle. They got great ratings out of it. Um, I was floored, I was riveted. Um, once again, like I said, that was a race that I expected Carl Larson, Carl Larson to actually win, if not do very well in, and he wrecked out. Kind of happy about that. But you know, um <laughs> great race. That's how you really feel. feel. Hey, I, you know, I don't root for Kyle Larson anymore is the best way to say it. <laughs> um, and, and, and remind me, that race, if I recall correctly, wasn't there a rain delay prior to that race? It was. It was. So <sighs> in any time of a NASCAR race, you know, these cars aren't set up for rain. Um, the tires can't handle rain. They've been going back and forth for trying to find a rain tire and just saying, screw it, this is what we're going to do. But those cars are so heavy, they, they, they'll slip and slide. Um, NASCAR is still partnering with Goodyear. It's something that they want to do, but I don't see it happening. But I'll be shocked if it does, because they did it on dirt. Um, they were So the dirt race, they said, all right, we're going to have the dirt race. Everybody was ready for it, and then it rained out. And of course, you can't race on dirt because it's complete mud. Um, and and then when they actually did the race, half the cars, their tires couldn't hold up because the compound of the tires wasn't configured right. And of course, trial by error. It's the first race on dirt for these cars. They'll probably get it better next year. But like, you know, if they sent them boys out there in the rain and the mud, oh my god, some it would have been it would have been bad. It would have been so bad. It would it would look more like a true demolition derby as yes. opposed to a car yes. race. Yes, it'd have been some beating and banging going on out there. Yeah. <laughs> so with so kind of real quick going back, did you do you expect them to hopefully because we know with COVID the numbers are going down, things are trending in the right direction. Do you expect the regular rotation of tracks to kind of be back next season? Yes, um, there are some racetracks that they are going to take out. Like what they did, they actually put so the dirt race was the big spectacle. Then from there, they actually added more uh, road courses in there. So for anybody who's like F1 and IndyCar racers, it now gives you a little bit something else to see. Um, and these cars are actually handling pretty well. Um, I think it's great because it also takes out it takes out the uh, aspect of knowing who's actually going to win or you have your, your, your top picks and your dark horses, you give more crap shoots in, in these races. Cause when you're racing a road course in a, you know, NASCAR sanctioned car, those cars are very heavy. You have to qualify and you have to, you win that race on pit road and, and qualifying. You don't win it by actual racing, you know? So um, I think that's good for the sport as well too. Uh, I think the traditionalists, if that's the best way to say it, they don't like it. They hate road courses because there's not enough action, there's not enough passes, stuff like that. And they they always get upset. But, you know, a lot of people don't like change. And it's the best way to leave with that. Well, 
what you're getting is, you know, this kind of my observation, you're getting two ways you can show skill. So on a road course, the skill is patience and being able to maneuver while on a super speedway and well, regular speed versus speedway is just kind of that you've got more opportunities, more laps, more time, so to speak, in order to kind of work your way through, you know, use the drafts to kind of position yourself. So it's, it's, it's skill. It, it, it's all skill, but it's just different using your skills in different ways to kind of look at that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would agree to that. Um, but once again, you have people who've been NASCAR fans from Dale senior. And it was like, well, we only had two road courses. Why are we changing to this stuff? Yada, yada, woo, woo. And it's like, you know, it's, it's better for the sport. It actually shows drivers being drivers, you know, and, um, let alone that it shows the team part aspect of the sport. If your pit crew is trash on a road course, you ain't gonna win, <laughs> you know. And everybody, that, everybody knows it. Everybody, everybody knows. knows it, you know. And and that correlates over, like I said, to F one and to all the other series. So it's like, you know, if you have a very good pit crew, probably expect to be in the top five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And and I think that is probably one of the more underrated aspects of racing. I mean, across the board, that you know, when you hit that pit, it's like those. Those pit crew, they yeah. got to be on top of their game. They have just mm-hmm. got to get you in and out. We're talking what? No, wait, 10 seconds, 12, what? I forget the numbers, but it's got to be quick, fast. Everything has yeah. to go. And every now and then, it's not so much that the the pit crew is moving slow, equipment failures. I've seen, you know, in, in uh, IndyCar, you know, they got the fuel on the back, on the top. They'll pop that thing in, and then they can get stuck. Yeah. Then they gotta yeah. you know, work it out, and then and you and you losing time. So yeah, man, it's it's everything. And then like in NASCAR, if we're talking about like just just pitting in NASCAR, like you got to get down to a certain speed. They have um, zones mm-hmm. where they calculate who's speeding or not. So that's on a driver. Driver has to hit has to hit the pit box. If they go over the pit box, if they are catacornered to or fender is out of the pit box, they won't. They'll get black flag or they have to come back down and serve serve a penalty. Um, the biggest um, mishap on pit road is not hitting the right lug nuts in sequence. Um, yes. Sometimes you'll get a loose wheel, you know, or if if um, there's no regular gas tank in, in race cars, and that's within any sport. So it's a lot of math and calculation, like, okay, how many gallons did I get into the car? What is our average, you know, um, miles, miles per hour in um, our – uh, gallons and, and all that stuff and they do the math but it's like some sometimes people calculate it wrong sometimes it's right sometimes it's wrong and people run out of gas three laps short it happens you know mm-hmm. uh, a lot of races are won on pit road especially in nascar when there's a late caution and you got 20 laps to go and people come down pit road and if you don't hit it if and that's that's the money stop if you don't hit it you know you end up losing the race Mm, mm, mm. And that's a hell of a way to lose. To lose. I mean, it's kind of like you know losing like a baseball game on a walk off or something like that. That's yeah. just a hell yeah. of a way to lose. You know what I'm saying? It, um, it and hurts. also with pit, I, I can imagine with yeah. pit row. Um, 
they're allocated. If I tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, they're allocated like so much gas and so many tires. In other words, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of where all the calculations have to come in and mm-hmm. how many times the pit and all that sort of stuff. So usually on so gas, they never really run out on. It just depends on the scenario of the race, cautions, how many cautions. Um, if 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 it's a long green flag run, meaning like there's no cautions in a fuel window, things like that calculate. Um, then you and this is one tip in on gas. A lot of NASCAR drivers in a in the middle of a caution, um, while they're driving, they turn the engine off. They'll pop the clutch, turn the engine off in a corner because what they have is a fuel cell, which is acts like a sponge. And the sponge actually absorbs all the gasoline so they can get all the fuel out of it. But when they go around a corner, a lot of the gasoline sits at the bottom left of the fuel cell. So they'll pop mm-hmm. the clutch, turn the car off, post to a straight, let the gasoline get level in the car pop it back on so you get so it doesn't absorb so much when it comes to fire the car back up and that's them considered saving gasoline um with the tires yeah i mean there are some tracks that are very abrasive on tires atlanta is one of them um that that track can eat some tires up like right side tires done after after five laps consider it done and a lot of that a lot of that deals with the driver. It depends on how aggressive the driver is, the setup of the car, th- things of, of that nature. Uh, but then when you get to Talladega and Day- Daytona, you know, you don't ever have to change the left side tires because you're not, you're not, you're barely using, you know. Um, so yeah, you're right. It, it just depends on the dynamic and all that stuff. Um, but yes, each track, so su- super speedways, they probably get a little bit more gas versus tires. Um when you get to the uh, regular speedways, it's probably equal gas to tires. Short tracks, it's probably less gas, more tires, mm-hmm. and go from there. Because it just depends on the track, the style, the angle, how corner it is, and how abrasive it is on, on tires. Has anyone ever considered, you know, talk about Atlanta, has everyone ever considered, let's look at the track? You know, if we're that hard on tires, I mean, maybe it's time for Atlanta to go through a redesign. That's just me. That's just me as an outsider. I mean, they listen to the drivers and the drivers say, like, you know, they want the the racetrack to have its own character. And it's kind of weird to hear it as a fan, because I'm like, you know, if you just repave it, it's it's fine. But, you know, they're like, you know, they want the track to actually develop its own character. And it can fall to a strong suit of a certain style of driver. So, for example, anybody that is a dark track racer pretty much races very well at Atlanta because they just end up making the car slide slide around the corner or make the right rear slide. It's 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 very country, but it happens, you know. And We're in Georgia. We're in Georgia. Come on now. Hey, you know, uh, no, 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 no disrespect. No, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. It's what it I'm is. So. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know what, what my numbers are in Georgia, but it's a joke, people. It's a joke. Anyway. Hey, Georgia, we we love you. Okay, and Atlanta Motor Speedway is a very great race. But yeah, no, their biggest thing is like you know they say dirt track races excel very well at a track like Atlanta just because of the fact that the angle and the degree of banking 
in a turn mm-hmm. mimics a dirt track. And then from there, it's so abrasive on tires. You know, dirt track tires are very slick compared to to a Cup Series car. So if they get their tires worn out, they can slip and slide around those corners all day long. Mm. So okay. the the competitive edge. Now, there are some racetracks where they've literally let them go beyond repair. Like um, I want to say in, in between 2010 and 2017, Daytona actually had a pothole in it. <laughs> and they had to get it patched. And they said, all right, it's time to repave this racetrack because, you know, it, it's unsafe. So, like, they, race car drivers like to let the track go to its complete brink and get a complete imperfection in the track until they are willing to let it be repaved. Wow. So, basically, they're driving around Daytona 190 miles an hour and be like, where are we? Are we in New York City? Where or we because, Baltimore Washington Parkway, you know? Yeah, so if, if, if you think about it this way, so take, like, Daytona, right? So, like, you know, they let that track get down and build its character. They had to repave it. Now we're back to ground zero. Everybody's on the same equal playing field. So there's a competitive edge there as well. Like, some drivers are like, okay, I'm better at Daytona. I'm better at Martinsville. I'm better at Atlanta because of the, the track's character versus – now everybody's caught up to me and now we have to wait until the track becomes seasoned a little bit more. Mm. Never thought I would compare a track to a skillet. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the track has to be seasoned, you know, don't, don't wash it. Don't wash it. Just let it go. You know, no, no, just let it go. Just let it go. You know, you, 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 want, you want those, you want those, you want that chicken breast to be great. Let it be seasoned, mm. you know what I mean? You want you want to win it. a race? Let it be seasoned. That's it. That's it. Um, so here, here's something I was thinking about. Would you consider a, a, an entire NASCAR season, would you consider it kind of talking about the, the, the chase for the championship? Would you consider a season a marathon or a sprint as far as kind of so think about it this way. Are there lots of chances? Are there chances for drivers who are underperforming to make comebacks? You know, are there plenty of opportunities to uh, get points to get into the championship? Like, how would you characterize? I mean, again, it's 31 races, but is it, you know, is it like a marathon or a sprint as far as the points, as far as the points are concerned? It's weird. I want to say... When you start day one at Daytona 500, it's a marathon. Like, not everybody is going to win this race. But it it becomes a sprint after each race passes because it gets to a point to, like, if I'm a driver, I have to, like, look at the calendar and be like, okay, these are the racetracks that we do very well in. Can I win these? Can I not win these? Then, secondly, you got to think, like, okay, Mart, uh, not Martinsville, forgive me, Daytona, Talladega, or Crash Shoots. If I run well there, I, I might win. Three, you think about just chance. Maybe I'm not so good at this racetrack. Maybe we do something different. Maybe we do something different on pit road. And, you know, when it comes to those last 20 laps and there's a caution, maybe I can be in a position to win. Um, it, it gets down to stuff like that. So, 
for the long haul of the season, February to November or February to, you know, let's call it September or something like that. Yeah. Marathon. But then once when you get close to September, it starts becoming a sprint because it's like, all right, do I have any racetracks that I'm actually good at left that I that I know that I run top five that I can win? And if I don't have any of those, then guess what? I ain't making playoffs. Right, and that's right, me right. thinking as, as a racer that's that's got to win to get in. So if, if I'm Bubba Wallace, I got to look at these racetracks like, okay, what can I actually win or what do I normally race well in later in the season to make it into this race? It, it that that came into my mind because I was thinking about, you know, I, I on my last few episodes, I've been just kind of doing a little bit of a overview of MLB. And I, you know, my, I think I may have said this on my podcast or other episodes rather that, you know, my brother and I, we joke about baseball, you know, we're not huge baseball fans. I was when I was like a kid and I, I follow it, but 162 games. Number one, it's too long. Number two, yes. that's what a hundred. My brother characterized it as 162 opportunities to blow the pennant. So by what this is May. So by end of June, we're gonna know who's not going to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> we know yeah. by then. So I was kind of thinking. So how's the NASCAR season flow? So you know, I, I was I thought about that question. I thought that would be something that I thought you would be, you know, you, you could address. And, and I thought that that was very helpful to understand that because again, it does make sense because the thing that maybe many folks don't also understand is their strategy here. There's, mm-hmm. you know, like any other sport, you know, it's not so much getting into the car and, you know, winning the race or even being competitive, but you, there, there's skill. There's, I'm sorry, there's, um, you know, you have to think about strategy that, okay, we know that these are the variables that we can control. These are the variables we can't control. These are the things that we do well. So taking these, taking all these things into account, okay, here are all the tracks. Where can we, where can we benefit the most in gotcha. getting at least one win to get into the championship or at least right. leading some laps or getting some points? So how can we maximize our points in order to, be at the be in this thing at the end you know so to better so if i'm looking at standards and going from from like your analogy of baseball i'm looking at top one through ten they're automatically in denny hamlin no wins nine top fives william byron one win five top fives martin truex three wins five top fives with that said three wins once when the standings start whoever has the most wins automatically goes first so Truex mm. will, will be first. Joey Logano, one win, five top fives. Kyle Larson, one win, six top fives. Uh, Ryan Blaney, one win, two top fives. Chase Elliott, zero wins, five top fives. That's seventh. Eighth, Kevin Harvick, my boy, zero wins, four top fives. Uh, Brad Keselowski, one to five. Kyle Busch, one to four. So when you get down to 11 to about 25 that's when things get real dicey right um 11 austin Dillon, zero to one but i don't see him getting it because i'm looking at his equipment the team that he raced for and also um how many top fives he, he has so he's a crapshoot to get it christopher bell one to two he'll get in because he has a win alex bowman is 13 
two to three. He'll get in because he has two wins. So he'll be second to third come standing times. Um, Chris Buescher, zero to zero. I don't see him getting in whatsoever. Kyler Reddick, zero to one. He'll float up against people, but once again, wins weigh heavily. Top fives, then that's when you're like, it, it averages out. Michael McDowell, who is 16, he is um, your Daytona 500 winner. One win to two top fives, he's 16th. Right now, he's not, he's running middle of the pack, but he's in the playoffs, is the best way to say it, because he has a win. So he has anything to worry about. He can coast the rest of the season. Now, when it comes to the lineup of the standards, he might be towards the bottom, so he'll be closer to the, to the eliminators, but at least he's in. And that's very good for his team as well, too. Um, 17, 18, 19, no wins, 2-1-1. One, one. You're looking at Matt DiBenedetto, Kurt Busch, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, and then going down to like 25, Ryan Newman, 0-1. to one. He probably won't get in. Our boy Bubba Wallace, zero to zero. Daniel Suarez, zero to one. Ross Chastain, zero to zero. Ryan Free, zero to zero. Cole Custer, zero to zero. Anywhere between 17, 25, they got to get a win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They, they have to get a win to get in. Um, or if they get a lot of top fives, and I mean, they got a top five from here all the way to to the uh to the playoffs but it's kind of hard when you're when you're all the way back here because one thing one thing about this season is that they aren't qualifying anymore oh 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 okay so so like you said you only qualify on road courses no well forgive me i've had a beer too many but we got i've got to say this (laughs) This is another big dynamic in this in this uh, in this this year's series because of COVID-19, they want to do less um, contract uh, tracing and all that stuff. They aren't doing qualifying. So wherever you place in the last race is where you place in the next race to start the race. Oh, okay. So whoever wins. So whoever wins last week's race, which was Alex Bowman, he'll be first this week. And then like the, rest, that. the rest of the standings follow through. I do. I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it's fun um, because there are a lot of drivers who rely on qualifying. And when it comes to qualifying in order to qualify, you got to practice and practice is like two 50 laps or something like that around two sessions of 50 laps going around a track. Then you qualify for two laps and then boom, you have the race. That's a lot of time to study the track see how it develops, how it heats up, how it does it, how the tires react, how if the car needs to be loose, a little bit tight, going around a corner. And that that study is gone. So now it's left to chance and legit driver ability. So, for instance, a driver like Kyle Busch, who is 10th, is normally in the top five right now because he relies on data and technology. So for him as a driver to have one win in four top fives, for what he was what he was relying on, it doesn't work for him now because his actual going into a race blind and then adjusting after the first uh, pit stop is not working for him. 
And also it takes less stress off your equipment because you have just about as equal of a chance of crashing in your practice session, crashing in qualifying and that, sure. you, know, you got to go sure. to the backup car, you know, and, and that yeah. kind of puts more stress on you and it kind of messes up strategy. And I, I'm a big gambling man. So it, it goes back into chance, right? Like, so it's like, it now makes every race a crapshoot versus your top five in, in your dark horses. So now you're a gambler. So do you, do you gamble, gamble? I used to, I dabble, you know, before I got married, you know, I, I used to really, really throw the dice, but now uh, I backed off. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I was curious. You, you said, I'm going, mm, really? <laughs> now, I, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm willing to take some bets. I have, I have betted on NASCAR. I recommend everybody don't do that because it's not worth it. It's worse than roulette <laughs> at, at a, at a gambling casino, but <laughs> you know, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you probably got a better chance to run out in traffic and not get hit, probably something, something to that, something to that effect. 100%. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I noticed you you mentioned Martin Truex Jr. a moment ago, how he has the most wins. And, and, and then you said that Denny Hamlin is number one in the standings. And I, I don't I, I forgot to mention this last time we talked, but I was like, you know, I kind of like Denny Hamlin for for a couple for about three reasons. Number one, I didn't know him and I was doing my research for our first show. Him and Jordan are boys. Okay. Number Mm -hmm. two, um, you know, he's in that Domino's Pizza commercial, and he was just like, yeah. So I kind of, you know, I kind of like, I kind of like Denny. Denny seems like a guy I can have a beer with. He's a cool guy, you know. Uh, so, so my guy is leading this. (laughs) Yes, I I will say this, Um, Denny Hamlin is a very short, very great short track racer. Whenever whenever they're on like a 0.5 or maybe even a mile type of racetrack, he is, consider him a winner. And he's always there. He's always around top five, top 10. He's always leading a lap in the race. He's doing something to be proactive and productive. So I am shocked to see him with nine top fives and no wins, especially leading. Excuse me, but that that shows that he's actually been producing week in and week out. Now, if he doesn't get a win, I don't know where he's going to fall on the seating. He'll probably fall fifth, if if mm-hmm. and maybe not even that. He might fall a little bit lower, maybe eight, nine, ten, just because everybody else has a win above him. Um, it makes me wonder because um, what I'm looking at because you know you do have this the stage races. So if you win stages, you get points. He may have more points. The my spreadsheet that I'm looking at, I don't see his stage points on here. But um, mm-hmm. that that may be a factor. And it, if that's a factor, then kudos to him. And he's a very good good driver. He's very personable. He's great for his sponsors. He's been having FedEx on his hood for years. And then um, he's he's actually was sponsored by Jordan before they even formed a team. He's always had the emblem like on his shoulder blades. It's kind of uh-huh, cool. Uh-huh. Kind of cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, he, he, he's a good guy. He, he's actually from Virginia. Um, I want to say Martinsville and Richmond. He's in between both those tracks. So those are his home tracks. If you, if you want to bet money on NASCAR, Richmond and Martinsville, bet money on Danny Hamlin. Ah, so this is our first 
ever betting advice on this podcast. Uh, but it comes with a disclaimer that, you know, we approve of betting on this podcast. However, if you have issues with betting, please seek help. Please. <laughs> say that much, but still, help. yeah, please. for sure. Um, so let's see. The championship chase has, what, 16 teams? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 16 races, rather. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So if Hamlin's starting about 10, he's roughly about middle of the pack. So that's actually not... That's actually not bad. I mean, if it all, if it were to end today, he'd be somewhere around ten. That's actually not a bad position. It's not. Um, you know, we're looking at like they go. The first race is Darlington. Um, the second race is Richmond, which he could win. Then you got Bristol, not on dirt, regular race. He could win that as well too. Um, then they go to Vegas, Talladega. Then you got Charlotte, Texas. Kansas, Martinsville again, which he could probably win, but that's like the round of eight, so he has to he has to progress. Then you go down to the championship four, which they finished the race in Phoenix, which he's won a couple times, but it's been a long time ago. Um, if if he's tenth, if he places very well in Richmond, you might see him at the end. Okay, good to go. Good to go. That's your guy. Um, well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta really, I gotta really plug in and try to like sit for at least one race. My Sundays are just ridiculously insane. So I, I hear you. You know, it's, no, I mean, just, it's come, so it's so hard to. If if, if he gets in, if he gets in, and we'll put this on the record. You know what I mean? I, I'll, I'll do a wager with you. Okay. Okay. All right. That sounds <laughs> good. I, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I mean. I, I could use a little windfall right now. <laughs> um, so let's let's do some 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 predictions. So again, halfway, and let's do some predictions. So um, going back, I said you know your your predictions for champions. So we got three guys. So two outright. So we said Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch. Your sleeper was Alex Bowman. So so far, Alex Bowman is looking he's looking pretty mm-hmm. good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, do you think your championship picks are still fairly valid i mean i'm just gonna ask you i mean you know you're 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 a little bit more in tune here my boy kevin harvick i don't feel so confident about anymore because Mm -hmm. he normally controls the regular season and he has no wins kyle bush has one so he's already he has a leg up he has a leg up on your boy denny so um never count out the candy man alex bowman he is showing up and showing out um if I'm doing a mid-season report on my predictions, I would drop Harvick and I would roll with Martin Truex Jr. That kind of seems like a that seems a little safe to me. I mean, I'm just I'm just, because again, he's the defending champ and he's doing he's doing what he does. I mean, he you know how it goes. If you've been to the mountain, mm-hmm. you know how to get back to the mountain. It's you know, right. the first time is hard. After that, it's fairly easy. Right. I mean, I mean, you can predict who you want. That seems a little safe to me. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'll, I'll say this: so, defending champ is actually Chase Elliott, right? And he has no wins. It's, it's not Truex. Oh, okay. No, it's Chase Elliott. True, oh, Truex. I, Truex is a champion, but he okay. never won a championship with Gibbs Racing. He ran with like, uh, what was it, like front row furniture racing or something like that. He won with them. Mm-hmm. He was driving like a '78 okay. car. That was that was that was a couple moons ago. 
But could we? Okay, all right. He's doing the exact same thing this year that he was doing then. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's kind of scary if he comes out and wins Charlotte. If he wins Charlotte, because I went to a Charlotte race um, one year and he dominated. I mean, led ninety eight percent of the laps. If he wins Charlotte this year, I want to say stamp it. He'll win a championship this year. All right, that's your that is your lock right there. And that and Charlotte, that's what Coca Cola six hundred. Coca Cola six hundred, yes, sir. Yeah, okay, that'd be that'd be Memorial Day weekend. All right, awesome. Uh, okay, how about this? Uh, how do you they, think it's they going to win? Twice. Hold on, on. They, they raced there twice, so give me that. Hold on now. Okay, for, for my life. Memorial Day weekend's coming up. <laughs> right, right. Okay, okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. Uh, how about? Let's see. Let's talk about who's going to get Driver of the Year. Who do you think? Driver of the Year. Looking at the standings right now, it's either Denny Hamlin or Martin Truex. Okay. Um, rookie, rookie of the year. I don't know. It's still a crapshoot. Um, come back to me on that one right before, um, right before the playoffs, and I, I'll, I'll give you a pick. It, it's, okay. it's. I mean, any, do any names come to any names jump off the page right this second? None, honestly, none. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that that was okay. Go ahead. So is so is it the fact that the rookies are kind of eh this year, or are they not as you know? Maybe you've got several rookies, and maybe they're just kind of all flowing in the same range of the standings. They're kind of uh, and yeah, it, it's a mixture of both. Uh, they're all kind of you know flowing in, flowing around the same. Um. Yeah, that that's that's my biggest thing. I because half of the no names that won, I hate to say that say it that way, but half the no names that won, you know, they're a couple years in. Like it's no rookie has really been tried, true, and tested. I've never seen a, a rookie performance that's worthy of being like, oh, this is this is the rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair because again. In some, in some cases with rookie of the year, it's easy. Sometimes it's like, eh, I mean, you know, with most, with some sports, it's fairly easy to figure out. Others, right. it takes a little while because, you know, you, especially if you get one rookie that just stands out and everyone else is just kind of playing about what you expect or doing what they, what you expect. So that's fair. Okay. No yeah. problem. That's, that's totally fair. Um, yeah, you know what? I learned something today. Uh, there is a, a racer in the truck series. His name is, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Jesse Uwuji. Um, okay. He is black, right, black, and he is a graduate of the Naval Academy. I just learned that today. I was like, right. whoa. <laughs> um, I think he's a surface warfare officer. So I'm so can somebody who I don't know what his aspirations are, you know, as far as going into you know, the regular series, but he's on the truck series. I don't, I think his standings, I think I took a quick peek at the standings. He's somewhere, I think in the middle of the standings, but you know, he's, it seems like he's been interested in racing since he, since his days as a midshipman. And I think he played, he played football for the Navy football team. He's a, I think it was free safety. So I was okay. like, wow, I got to kind of check this guy out. You know, it's just, that was very, very fascinating to learn that today. I just 
randomly learned that today. So, um, but yeah, um, well, that was an outstanding uh, review. I appreciate uh, all the information and, and kind of your perspective on that. Because uh, again, like I said, this is only the first 16 races. We got 15 more to go. And there is going to be more drama unfolding in this. So, and, and, and the way that you watch races, I know that you're just, you're just chomping at the bit for I am. the next 15. I am. Yeah. I am. So just to go back to the, to the truck series, uh, Mr. Wuji, Jesse, he is 52nd in the standings. So mm-hmm. he, once again, truck series, think of it like, you know, very D1, D2, triple uh, A or however you want to say it as far as the lower tier of the sport aspect. Cause you got mm-hmm. old school guys coming out, new school guys coming in, you know, this is how Bubba Wallace got his start and was able to transcend himself. So, you know, even though he's 52nd, it seems like he's probably only had like about a race or two or doing a temporary schedule and that's fine. But by all means, like he has a shot at being, being something in this league. Cause like I'm, I'm now doing a little bit of research. I don't follow trucks that often. Mm. And that's just a personal preference, but um, by all means, uh, now now that you you, you put him in my lap, I, I will keep my keep my eye on him. He might be temporary. My understanding, because again, he graduated from the academy in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, so he's currently naval reserve. So he's sir, he's he's a he's a, a, a unrestricted line officer. Uh, I think he was a mine a mine sweeping duty, and so. So if he's reserved, he graduated what eleven years ago. He's probably mm-hmm. was it He might be a lieutenant, maybe lieutenant commander. So he's in the naval reserve. So I mm-hmm. guess once his once his reserve duty ends, he'll be he would have paid his debt back to the academy, and he'll probably be free to do what he wants. So that may you know push him to a point to where he's probably doing more racing, and and yeah. So here's yeah. a guy that you know somebody's name that you're probably going to see uh coming forward but yeah I, I i'm definitely interested to see how he's going to do uh moving forward okay for so, sure uh, yeah for sure for sure for sure all right man i appreciate that man so i got one other thing for you because again as i said in the show notes for, for episode 59 i cannot have you on and not talk about beer but before we get to that so a couple episodes ago you mentioned New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, and my antennas went blank. Like what? Hold yeah. On a second. So, um, so so give me give me the origins of. I mean, we know the name, but give me the origins of Beer God, and give me the origins of Winemeister. What what are we doing here, man? <laughs> so it's it's something that I don't really brag about. I, I am definitely beer focused first. Um, being someone who worked in restaurants and general managed restaurants, you kind of need to know everything from, you know, beer, spirits, wine, liquor, all that stuff. Um, even from, you know, rums, tequilas, bourbons, whiskeys, scotches, all, all that jazz. Um, wine was always my least favorite thing to cover, but um, I have to pay homage to a dear friend of mine and a also a manager of mine mr todd salvador he's a certified wine sommelier and he used to haze me on wine and i appreciate the fact because i now 
can go out and speak wine and understand wine and talk wine. I have not taken a sommelier test myself or anything of, of that, of that nature, but I can definitely go out and order a bottle for the table and everybody's pleased, you know, and I definitely take pride in it. Um, also my thing is like, you know, for us, you know, drinking beer and all that stuff is great, but sometimes, you know, if you're out on date night with the wife or the missus and all that stuff, or if you're in a setting where, you know, beer isn't the actual prominent thing, you should be well-versed in everything as well, too. So, um, of course, to me, I would think that, you know, wine 101, if you're getting a soft blanc, it's got to be from New Zealand. If anything, no anything other than that, you know, is a cardinal sin. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's my thing, you know, and it's just trying to go from there. I'm um I'm very big into reds as well too. I love Syrahs and Petit Syrahs as well. Those are my jam. Um, you know, I'm down for a good cab. I'm down for a good Malbec. Um, and then just trying old world stuff as well. Just dabbling, just seeing what's going on because you know, you can you can have a certain style that goes great with a steak, but if you get that right style that goes with a steak, my God. Oh. <laughs> Oh man, listen, listen. I, I I totally understand you. I totally feel you. Um, you know, one of the best meals I ever had was food, wine, food, wine, food, wine. It was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. quite a spread. And uh in, in that kind of at that time, I was kind of early in my appreciation of wine. I was, you know, getting some pointers from this particular person, one of my former professors in college, a chemistry professor who kind of introduced me to wine, and then there's some other people who kind of you know, tagged on with some lessons and he just hit me. And I was like, man, that food and wine pairing, it's everything. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's yeah. totally everything. There are times where I'm in a restaurant and I'll I'll start out with a beer to be my appetizer and it, I'll go through with it. And then when I see something on the menu that I like, and if I, don't, if I can't find a beer to go well with it, I'll switch over to wine easily. No questions yeah. asked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so to all the guys out there who are listening right now, and you have a very significant other in your life, you need to learn your wines. <laughs> no doubt. Best no way to doubt. say it, you need to learn your wines. I mean, and and let's expand the 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 selection here. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I've I've had my I've had some my share of not so good, and I've had my share of, share of good, but it's I always say, you know, beer, liquor, wine, graduate up you know it's for like sure. folks for just sure. stay drinking the same stuff it's like you know i'm, I'm sorry black folks moscato come on now look, yeah come on. Mos- come moscato on. you know your rosés and all that stuff like you know rosé is actually a seasonal wine and yes. it actually comes out around this time for mother's day and that's about it you have your rosé wine rosé champagnes and you don't touch them after mother's day you know like, or if you get into like, you know, July, August, you, you, you don't touch them at all. You leave them where, where they are. Um, when it comes to your Moscatos and your, your Rosés, I mean, we have been, us as Black folks, we're led by music and we're led by the trend and everything that's going on. And, excuse me, and when it comes out to these wines, Moscato is a dessert wine, and a lot of people don't know that, you know. Um, 
I ruffled my mother's-in-law's feathers when I told her that. But now, like, and, but now when I told her that, she she was upset. But now she gets it. She understands. She she gets like you know, this wine is extremely sweet for a said reason. And you know, once when you mm-hmm. get to taste wine, and the same thing for beer. You taste wines, you taste beers, you get across your palate. Your palate graduates, and you actually understand why it goes with said setting of the dining process. It. You know, so that's it. I hear, I, it. I hear, I hear you. <laughs> I hear your argument. <laughs> right. I mean, like I said, I would say, you know, if you like Moscato, you'll like Riesling. If you like Riesling, you'll like Gewürztraminer. You know, like I said, there are other alternatives, but expand your palate. Graduate up, you know, don't, you know, don't be that guy that drinks yeah. Budweiser your whole life. It's, Graduate it's, up to something new, you know. It's nothing to get a sample, neither. You know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. A, a, a sample is nothing to a restaurant if you don't know, if you at least want to try. Or if they even do flights or like a little sample sample tasting, do that so you can figure out what goes well. You know what I mean? Or even um, ask your server or bartender, dealer's choice, what would, what would pair well with my meal? And just be willing to learn to be a sponge and absorb. Yes, you're paying for it. Yes, you may not like it. But if you're willing to learn, why not? That's it. I mean, I mean, again, I'm always open to learn new stuff. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Lately, I haven't really been buying the best stuff. Uh, Total Wines got this three dollar bottle, and it is one of the best bottles I've ever had. And I will stock up on that, and I am happy. So, you'd be surprised, again, man. Then, like, you'd be surprised. Right. Not trying not try to cut you off, Uncle Dub, but like, you know, when it comes to some of these wines, like you get a certain style. The cheaper ones, really good. The $98 bottle is really good, but you can't even tell the difference between two of them blindfolded. Correct, correct. Or you could buy a, uh, I'm going to buy a $50 bottle of wine, and it's probably the worst thing you could ever buy. So so it works, it definitely works both ways. People think if I buy expensive wine, it's got to be good, and that's that's usually the kiss of death right there. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that. You know? Don't do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Don't do that. Don't for do that. sure, for sure. Drew? Thank you, man. I really appreciate this as always, man. Um, again, him with your socials. It'll be in the show notes. Him show socials again so they can find you because I know there's going to be some questions, whether it's about beer, NASCAR, or wine, regardless. <laughs> I know where you are, man. Well, Uncle Doug, once again, I have to say completely thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you, thank you for having me on your show again. Um, I appreciate doing this. I appreciate being able to, like, you know, let my feathers down and be myself when it comes to nascar um especially because you have a very great show you do great things um my name is drew you want to follow me on facebook andrew dill i'm never scared d-i-l-l just like the pickle everything's kosher um twitter facebook uh i mean twitter instagram forgive me django underscore nerd if you are a very beer fan or beer proponent or anything like that beer enthusiast uh you should have untapped on your phone it's like a four square check-in for beer Follow me on there as well, too. Django underscore N-E-R-D. Um, as far as the podcast that we do, Diapers and the Haircuts, we, like I said, we post every Monday around 4 a.m. weekly. We kind of do a NASCAR schedule. So the season is every week from February to November. Um, DNH Podcast, that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And if you want to be a part of the show, any questions, concerns, anything that's above 140 characters, please email us, DNH Podcast at 2019. 
excuse me, DH Podcast 2019 at gmail.com. That beer is amazing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what are you, wait, wait, real quick. What are you drinking? 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 I am drinking Solace Lucy Juicy, which is a New England double IPA coming at about 9.5% ABV. Ooh, how many uh, have you had? I've had four. Forgive me. Four. Um, okay. We're yeah, good. So, We're good. No, my my, uh, my my in-laws are currently downstairs. Uh, when I got in, they were here. We're planning for a Memorial Day and all that stuff. And um, okay. like I, said, I got a bunch okay. of beers. So my, my father-in-law, we had a couple. And then I was like, oh, crap. It's time to record this podcast. I'm logging in. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, before before we go, one last thing. Again, we're steadily season two is you know you've been the podcast game a little bit longer than I have. This is my second season, and this is the season I'm making history here. So at least personal history for this podcast. So you are officially our two time first two time guest here. So again, uh, yay. <laughs> this guy so so again gotta have you back you know maybe we'll recap nascar season and, and i'm sure that when i'm listening to dnh you're gonna tell me you're gonna tell us something i'll be like oh my god this guy knows this thing we gotta talk about nascar again but we gotta talk about that too <laughs> yeah, no Dub, for sure like once again you're doing great things you know as someone as someone who's in, in the podcast industry listening to your podcast you have your lane you have your market and i hope your listeners appreciate everything that, that you give out because I am one of them and I appreciate everything that you give out. Um, keep doing what you're doing, brother. Don't you dare stop. Don't you ever stop. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That has been your NASCAR midseason recap. And we are out for this episode and we will see you very soon. As I tell you at the end of our podcast, please get vaccinated, wear your mask, drink your water and mind your own business. Thank you so much. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.